This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Fungicide Resistance Extension Network. Welcome to this Afrin podcast presented by the Australian Fungicide Resistance Extension Network, an investment of the Grains Research and Development Corporation. I'm your host, Drew Radford, and today my guest is Nick Poole from Field Applied Research Australia. Nick, welcome back to the Afrin studio. It's good to speak with you again. And with you, Drew. Nick, last time you were on the Afrin podcast, we talked about the importance of spraying strategically, and you mentioned the importance of economic return in fungicide usage decisions. Today, we've got a bit of an opportunity to drill down into that a little bit further. I'm sure there wouldn't be too many growers that aren't interested in maximising profitability. No, that's for sure, Drew. And I think that uh, fungicides, just like any other crop input that growers and advisors consider, I mean, the primary aim with those crop inputs is that they have to make money for the grower. And sometimes, particularly with fungicides, perhaps with their cheaper prices these days, we tend to forget that. They just get used when there's perhaps less emphasis on we use fungicides to make money. Often easier said than done, in fairness, Drew, because fungicide sprays are insurance measures. We have to employ them very often before we know whether we'll get a good return. Nick, you mentioned their insurance decisions for want of a better description. So when it comes to cropping and fungicide applications then, I guess that means evaluating the kind of yield penalty an uncontrolled disease outbreak might incur. Yes, that's true to a certain extent. Uh, Drew, we look at our crop and we're there trying to assess it at particular development stages of the crop. And we're asking questions such as, well, how much is this disease going to lose me in financial terms? Or how much am I likely to gain by using this fungicide? So the kind of things that we're taking into account there are things such as how susceptible is the variety? Are the weather conditions particularly conducive to disease at the moment? But we're also thinking about the development stage of the crop because we want to make sure that when we engage that fungicide on our crop, that it's going to give us the desired effect, particularly the one of making money. However, when we think about them as insurance purposes, the other factor is that obviously a lot of diseases might be encouraged, say, by wetter weather. So if you have disease in the crop in the early stages of growth, you don't always know whether or not the weather subsequent to that is actually going to dry up and effectively not favour the disease development. And so it's not always as straightforward as just saying, oh, yes, that's going to give us a 50% yield decrease because if it's an early infection, you may well get subsequent weather that reduces the amount of infection. So Nick, it's nowhere near as simple as just adding up the cost of buying and applying fungicide against expected grain prices. No, indeed not. One of the things we're looking to do when we engage fungicides is it's really 
essential that we think about not only the disease, but we think about the crop. What stage are we spraying that crop at? Is this the best time to get our money back on the investment that we're making? And part of this comes with the fact that what's happened in the last 20 years, Drew, is that the price of fungicides has dropped in this last 20 year period. You know, some active ingredients 15, 20 years ago costing you $20 a hectare might only cost you $4 a hectare now as some of that chemistry has become generic. And actually it's resulted in an overuse sometimes of these products that is contributing to pathogens starting to overcome the fungicides. In other words, fungicide resistance. So if the price has come down, Nick, so far, that then brings us back to the concept of spraying strategically, i.e. for the maximum economic benefit. Absolutely right, Drew. What we're trying to do is to actually use fungicides not only with reference to the disease that we might have in our crop, but we're wanting to also look at them from the perspective of saying, what stage is the crop at? So to look at this aspect of targeting specific disease, but also looking at saying, where is that disease in the crop canopy? And we've got this reference to what we call the money leaves. And the money leaves in cereal crops are usually the last three to four leaves that the canopy produces. And we refer to them as the money leaves because effectively they're the most important in terms of grain fill and turning the sunlight energy into grain. It's those money leaves that we need to keep free of disease. Money leaves, I really like that description, Nick. So let's get specific. What are the critical growth stages and I guess the money leaves in wheat? Yeah, good question, Drew. The critical development stages that the crop produces these important leaves is the period of stem elongation. So growth stage 30, 31, which is when the crops start to elongate in spring up to growth stage 39, as we refer to it, which is when the last leaf emerges, which is the flag leaf. So that key period there marks the emergence of what we refer to as the money leaves or the most important to protect from disease in wheat. And so you have the flag leaf is the last leaf, flag minus one, the leaf under that, flag minus two, the leaf below that, and then least important of all, flag minus three in wheat. And what we tend to try and do is to look at the disease pressure at the time that these leaves are emerging. And that's why in wheat, the critical growth stages for considering application in relation to disease infection is actually at the start of stem elongation at that growth stage 31, 32 phase in wheat and at flag leaf emerged growth stage 39. Those two 
spray timings ensure that we put fungicide on those top four leaves. And those timings have actually evolved worldwide as being some of the most effective timings to get a financial return from your fungicide. Nick, what about barley, though? Is that a bit different? What are the key growth stages and and money leaves for barley growers? The aspect with barley is it is slightly different, but there's only a small amount of difference, Drew. And that's because, in essence, with barley, what we refer to as the first emerging of those money leaves, which is flag minus three, that leaf tends to be slightly bigger and bolder in barley than it is in wheat. And it tends to be slightly more important in terms of its contribution. In addition, in barley, the flag leaf is relatively small and so is not quite as valuable in terms of comparisons to wheat. However, the same two timings, generally speaking, are the same for barley as for wheat. The slight nuance is that because F-3 is slightly more important in barley, that growth stage 31 spray is a really good first spray target. If disease is exceptionally high, then pulling that forward to growth stage 30 in barley can be of help in some occasions. The other aspect is that although the flag leaf is quite small in barley, it has what we call a very large flag leaf sheath. And that's the part of the leaf that wraps around the stem. And in barley, the flag leaf sheath is one of the last of the solar panels that stays green to actually fill the grain in barley. And so the timings for our fungicides in barley, our second spray timing can sometimes on occasions go out to even first on emerging because at that stage we also are able to put fungicide on the flag leaf sheath as well as the flag and F-1. So there are slight differences there due mainly to the size of the leaf and their contribution to grain fill. At the time we're recording this, Nick, we're well past the earlier growth stage of the season. But what do you say to a grower who's seeing disease developing on their young plants before those critical growth stages? Do they really have nothing to worry about? Or when should they be concerned enough to apply fungicide? There's always going to be some very severe disease infections before we get to stem elongation. For example, a very susceptible variety to, say, stripe rust. One of the things that we saw last year in 2020 was that you could get severe infection even before those money leaves emerge. And Most growers know that they have to cover those situations off if they're going to persist with those very susceptible varieties. They have to cover that off, not with foliar sprays, but by actually taking action at seeding. So, for example, using, say, a flutriophol in furrow, a fungicide that's actually used at seeding to reduce that early infection. 
And the reason I say that is that in the majority of cases, disease in that Tillerin phase will not give you the economic returns. So what I've just described is an exception and you need to put the measure in place, write its seed in to prevent that happening, rather than putting foliar fungicide sprays on these early tillerin or late tillerin stages. And there's another reason for that, Drew, and that is that you'll find that those leaves in tillerin, yes, they're less important. They can feed infection onto the money leaves, and that's why we sometimes have to take action at seeding. But it's far better to take that action at seeding than it is to take it in the tillerin period, because in essence, fungicides don't move backwards down the leaves. And so they literally protect what they hit, and because of the way in which fungicides work in the canopy, very often they're not as effective as some of those upfront measures that will take you through to the emergence of the money leaves. Now, another aspect to this, which is something that Afren are concerned about, is that when you start spraying in the early tillerin phase, you can very often in a very good season, find yourself after that early tiller spray where you've just reacted to the disease, you can find yourself saying, well, it's three weeks since I applied the last fungicide, I need to apply another, the season's looking good. And what we experienced in 2020 was scenarios where some growers were actually on their third fungicide before they were actually putting fungicide on the leaves that were going to give them the greatest return. And in some cases last year, farmers were looking at four to five applications because the earlier they start, the more applications they're likely to apply. Now, you may say, well, that's a no problem as long as they're covering the money leaves. Whilst that's true, one of the other factors we're faced with now is that one of the greatest risk factors elevating fungicide resistance is actually the number of applications we apply in any growing season. So the reason for thinking about this more strategically and saying, are these leaves important to my financial return? No, it's a very early stage. I think I'm going to leave it until I've got the emergence of the money leaves. What that enables you to do is to apply less fungicide and therefore not have the problems of repeating fungicide use from the same mode of action or even the same active ingredient. So there's a lot of things tied up in this aspect of spraying strategically and perhaps not overreacting too early in the crop's growth stages. Nick, that's a great description and covers a lot of ground. The point to remember here, I suppose, is that fungicides aren't the only tool a grower should be using to control disease. Absolutely right. It's very often easy to fall into this trap of just thinking that fungicides are the only measure to control disease. And what Afrin have done is to actually give you the fungicide resistance five, and there's some great messages in here. 
And I know that growers want to adopt these, particularly if they can get good productivity out of more resistant varieties. So, for example, looking at avoiding susceptible crop varieties means we reduce our disease pressure. That in turn means that we're likely to use less fungicide, which in turn means that we don't put as much pressure on those fungicides long term future i.e. that the pathogens won't overcome them as quickly. The other thing that growers will be extremely well aware of is this aspect of rotating crops and having good farming rotations that effectively put both space and time between the same crops going back in the ground. And so if we rotate crops, the fact that pathogens are very specific to crops means that we don't allow those pathogens to build up. And I suppose linked with this, and one of the five key fungicide resistance messages, is try and look at other measures that might reduce disease inoculum. So, for example, if you're in a mixed farming system, we know that grazing will open up the crop canopy, allow more airflow, which in itself reduces humidity, reduces disease pressure. Sometimes due to a high level of infection in the previous crop, it may be necessary to strategically burn some paddocks to reduce the stubble inoculum load. Those different measures of avoiding susceptible varieties, or if you can't avoid a susceptible variety, at least seeing if you could drill it later, because we know that moving our sowing dates backwards a little, provided the variety is suitable for perhaps slightly later sowing, is a great way of reducing disease pressure. So avoiding those susceptible varieties, rotating your crops, and using those non-chemical means of controlling disease are essential. And then you move in to the last two measures to avoid resistance, which is really spraying strategically, taking account of both disease pressure and crop development, and then finally making sure that we rotate and mix our fungicide modes of action and active ingredients as much as we possibly can. Nick, that's a great summary of the fungicide-resistant five, but against that, the original point we started with, money, would you say those practices have an economic benefit too, that growers should evaluate in the same way they assess the cost-benefit equation of fungicide applications? Yeah, again, absolutely right. They should be monitored for cost-benefit ratios just in the same way as in research or in any farming enterprise, we look at what the cost-benefit ratio are. So if it's a more resistant variety that gives you the same output, look at the savings you'll make on fungicide application, application cost. Those are all in vitally important to take into account. And remember that these things are all linked in that if we look at those in a financial sense, what they will do is mean that we use less fungicide, 
which in essence will mean that we reduce the pressure on our fungicide in terms of resistance because let's come back to this central fact that if we can reduce the number of applications and sensibly do that without incurring a financial loss then actually the number of applications is one of the key parameters reducing those number of applications we reduce our fungicide resistance development Nick, at the end of all of this, is there one key message you'd like to leave growers with? Yes, there is, Drew. That is that right now in Australia, we have access to some of the most effective fungicides I've ever worked with in my 38 years of agricultural research. And if we're to preserve their effectiveness into the future we have to look at trying to, the best we can, protect the future. And that, in this case, means not overusing them. So they're very cost-effective tools, but let's try and preserve their effectiveness for the long term. Nick, that's a really nice way of wrapping up and a great future perspective. Nick Paul, thank you for coming on the Afrin podcast again and sharing your insights with us. It's a pleasure, Drew. Remember, you can find all our podcast episodes along with case studies, fact sheets, the Afrin Fungicide Resistance Management Guide and much more on the Afrin website, which is at afrin.com. I'm Drew Radford. I hope you'll join me again soon.